Thank you for joining us on this episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett, where we examine current and emerging technologies through the lens of diversity and equality. Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome back to a new episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett. Today, we are going to talk about wearable technology. Uh, Rochelle, we've sort of touched on these the last couple of weeks, but uh, this is one of my favorite topics because uh, I a lot of times see wearables as toys, and I really like toys. <laughs> so I don't know what it is, but you know, I'm sure we'll get into it, but there's lots of tracking that's good and bad. Uh, but like, I love opening up a new smartwatch and putting it on. And I, I don't know why, like it tickles that part of my brain. It's like, oh, I'm wearing this cool piece of technology. And while like, I probably do not use it to, to its fullest, it like sets something off in my brain and it just makes me very happy. <laughs> yes, I think it reaches those uh, endorphins in our brains tell us, hey, you got something new to play with. And you know how we feel about toys because we're all kids at heart, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, and I think when I imagined having a smartphone before like they were popular, I imagined a smartphone would be like the phone or not a smartphone, but a smart watch or whatever. Like, I was like, oh, you'll probably be able to like text with it. And like, it'll be just like a phone. And you'll be able to do all this stuff. But at least for the Android ones, it never really reaches that. It's it's good for like, uh, I would maybe call it watch plus. Like, <laughs> definitely good at telling time. Easier than pulling the phone out. Yeah. Good at tracking some health stuff. But like, I'm not going to be able to text on it. That's yeah. That bit is beyond me. <laughs> yes. I think Apple... Uh raised the bar when they, you know, I think almost every technology that Apple came out with, if you think about going back historically, looking at it, they did a really good job of thinking through that piece of technology. Now, and of course, that's not to say they don't have bugs and stuff in that technology, but they mm -hmm. did a really good job of making sure what they said was available, was available. Mm -hmm. I, I think though, but when you think about wearable technology, let's go back. You remember Google Glass? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so what fun was that? I remember when we got one at the law school. That was great. You know, it was great. And then it died quickly, yeah. you know. And so yeah. I think so what what that part of technology did was it introduced us to a, uh, a v AR and VR, right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, virtual um, and uh, why can't I think? Uh, Augmented. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it really introduced us to more things beyond the realm of our desk or our office, right? Because mm -hmm. with, with AR and VR, we were able to move beyond our desk to virtual technology, right? You put on the, um, I think, Oculus and then uh, Google Cardboard mm -hmm. or a few others that came out in the market. Well, you got those early introductions to wearable technology and how far it made it into the consumer base. I'm not sure, but it sure made a hit with technologists and people who worked in this. We all tried it, right? Yes. So we yeah. created a robot uh, at the law school, you know, before robots were, were popular and they, it rolled around the law school announcing various things that we were doing. Um, <laughs> but all of these technologies really came from very inventive minds who are thinking about ways to take technology to the next level, right? So a lot of it were done within higher education. Higher education really has been a, a bandwagoner for, you know, technology. And mm -hmm. then you follow that with what's happening in the consumer market, right? So the consumer market has been slower to identify with these things. But now the curve has been that companies are bypassing 
you know, you don't have to ask Apple, can you have a wearable technology? You don't have to ask uh, Microsoft, they are doing it themselves. And so we were talking about this, I think not too long ago, but like, if you have sleep apnea, they have something they install in your body. And then, you know, you put this little thing on there and it'll tell you, you know, help you sleep or help you manage the process, right? Yeah. Um, back uh, maybe five or 10 years ago, I'm not exactly sure, there was a lot of news about Oprah swallowing a camera so this camera could check what's everything. All mm-hmm. of these things are the predecessors to where we are now with wearable technologies, right? So, yeah. and there have been advancements, right? So, you know, there's so much you can do now that you couldn't do. Mm-hmm. I want to say one more thing about that. So people who are disabled, people who lost limbs, wearable, these are parts of wearable technology. So you put on artificial limbs. You know, I remember one of my favorite movies is Forrest Gump. And, you know, at, in his, at his wedding, he says, you got new legs. <laughs> and, and, and the guy says, yes, they're titanium, like in the spaceship. So there are all these new things that are out there that have been, that are building upon older technologies and taking it to the next step. So in, in your mind, when you think about all the funds of fun of wearable technology, what wearable technology do you see this going to make the most impact on the consumer base? So I think there's going to be a couple categories. And the first, and I, I hope this is the better category, but it's just uh, like health monitoring. Like now, like every watch you get, every smartwatch you get is going to monitor your heart rate, right? Which is yeah. like a health indicator, which is good. And like, I don't, before I had a smart smartwatch, I never knew what my heart rate was. It was whatever it was like, last time I went to the doctor and they checked my pulse. Right. And just being able to like, I won't say that I've changed my behavior a lot, but well, I mean, I have changed my behavior. Like now that I can see what my heart rate is on my watch, it's a good indicator of like, Hey dude, like calm down, (laughs) like take a minute, like take a break. And that's something that I like, personally, I would never be able, I'm not in tune enough with my body to know that without some sort of external measurement. And I really hope that stuff like, uh, blood pressure and blood oxygen becomes more prevalent in those because I don't know. I mean, if you're like me, like uh, when I was younger, getting my blood pressure checked was like, again, it was probably when I was at the doctor or in like a drugstore with one of those big, scary machines that like (laughs) traps you down that like, you know, I don't want to be going in one of those in the COVID area. (laughs) <laughs> but like, uh, cause it's like, I don't want to, you know, they're just, so, it just feels so gross to be shove your arm in this giant thing. Uh, but now like you can get, it's not, on, you know, we don't have them on our watches, but we got real expensive blood pressure, uh, monitoring things just like right at home off of the internet for like super cheap. And I'm real excited for when those things are reliable enough to like fit onto a watch. Um, and but I think- but do you think that those kinds of advancements, well, how will they interface with healthcare, right? So mm-hmm. now what you said, you when you got your blood pressure checked or your pulse or whatever when you went to the doctor. Now mm-hmm. you don't need to go to your doctor to do that. What's the likelihood it will decrease the number of us that are going to doctors and relying on these pieces of technology now to manage our healthcare? Where do you think mm-hmm. that is? I think that's a balance as well. Because like just thinking, like for me, I would love to have measurements of it all day long, but I still need a doctor to like interpret that for me. Like, I don't think that I want to trust that to Apple, right? Like, I don't want Apple to say like, hey, Drew, your blood pressure is like way too high or way too low versus, you know, going to my primary care physician and her, you know, she knows more of my history. She knows, you know, 
she's she's a person. <laughs> she's a person that I talk to. And while I do think like the technology can reduce that, and it probably will reduce it a lot, it's going to be real hard press for me to like completely trust a robot. Although, I mean, just sort of thinking it, thinking out loud, like that is coming, right? It's just a matter of time. <laughs> yeah. So I have a blood pressure cuff at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got this thing maybe 10 years ago. It's amazing because the battery has never died. Everybody oh, wow. It. But, but, you know, I put it on and I have my blood pressure checked, you know, once a week or something like that, just to make sure I'm, I'm getting old, you know, mm-hmm. now and all that other good stuff. You know, so, I, you know, okay, let me just check. And, you know, so my, when I go to the doctor, I look to see how far off my machine is. So if my uh, blood yeah. pressure has been, you know, this over that, and I go to the doctor and it's that over the other, I'm like, okay, this machine isn't telling me everything. So I'm more inclined to trust the doctor than I am to the machine. I just think yep. the machine is just a kind of a, a, a tool to measure. So it helps me think about how to care for myself, like you said. Mm-hmm. But what about, so you remember uh, the woman with the little vial of blood, uh, what was the name of it? Uh, Netflix did a big uh, thing. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Theragun, Thera something other. I, um, I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, they, it was, it sounded amazing. It sounded Total crap. Really amazing that, 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 that this little, you can get this little finger, finger prick of your blood and get, uh, you know, a, something identified and get a, a, a resolution to it without having mm-hmm. to go to your doctor, you know, or you can go to your pharmacist or wherever and get this little f- fingerprint. Yeah. Print. But I mean, think about that. So somebody is going to figure that out. What mm-hmm. she started somebody's going to figure it out. Somebody's going to pick that ball up and run with it. And she is not yeah. just the only one. Other people are thinking about these things too. So, you know, I have been an advocate for the longest time for changing in mammograms. So mm-hmm. not to gross you out, but like mammogram, you go in and they make your breast as flat as a pancake as they can. Yeah. That hurts so bad. I can't tell you how bad it hurts. And, you know, like I can't imagine, you know, doing that, you know, you know, so I only have to go once a year, but can you imagine going three or four times and have that happen? So why yeah. don't they make a cup to fit over and, and take the images? You know, um, mm-hmm. thinking about these technologies that are coming online and what they mean, I mean, like some of them are necessary in the presence of your doctor or at your doctor's office. They're not meant for you to do at home. Mm-hmm. You know, so they've got this new EC, EC, EKG machine that you can buy. You put your two fingers on it, it'll get thicker. And it costs like 79 bucks. Oh, wow. So you get this thing and you're, and it tells you, oh my God, you're having a heart attack. You call 911 or whatever you do. And it's yeah. wrong. And it's wrong. <laughs> so yeah, the part, the first part of this where I think we're talking about is just wearable technologies are out there and they're coming in spades, you know, so you can, you can, you can think of a, a thing you have, believe me, it's coming for you, you know, like, if you have a toothache, you'll be able to stick something in your mouth and it'll take an image of your teeth and send it on to the doctor. The doctor tell you, you need a root canal, come right over. We've got an appointment for you. All mm-hmm. of these things are coming. I think what's really important about this conversation and our last conversation was data or datafication, as we talked about, was who's collecting this data, who has access to it. Because mm-hmm. if you have a wearable piece of technology that collects information about you, is sending it somewhere. Oh yeah, and whoever is sending it to, probably it's going to be sold, right? Mm-hmm. So you know these group of people, so they can collect data about these group of people. These groups of people have high blood pressure, and so they should not be insured, or your insurance rate should be higher. Yep. All of these things are a part of that discussion. So in the in the data part of that, so 
we learned in Internet of Things or IOTs that the data was collected by whoever your manufacturer of your thing is. So your mm -hmm. refrigerator is saying you need eggs. So your refrigerator manufacturer is collecting that you buy eggs every other day. So you must be someone who likes eggs. So they're going to send you a lot of coupons for eggs. <laughs> but uh, when you think about the data of this and, and the fact that there are no regulations, how do you protect yourself in that space where your data is going out in any number of, of directions? Yeah, so that's a it's it's hard, right? Like you have to, it's something that you have to think about. Like, uh, uh, I don't have an iPhone, but if you, you know, people that do have an iPhone, like you, you know, you got you've got uh, Matt, uh, Apple, like storing your health data, and Apple is very like privacy focused, right? Like one of their selling points is we're not like out there selling your data. We just want like you to give us your money for hardware, please. It's going to be yeah. expensive, <laughs> but like worth it. Yeah. Uh, but like for me, and this is something that I've never even thought about until you just mentioned it. Like I use a Samsung device and all of that data goes to Samsung and like, uh, I'm sure they are not being good shepherds with it. I'm sure they're selling it. I hope that it's de-identified, but I'm sure they're not like, you know, keeping it to themselves. So I, I, they might be, I haven't looked at the terms of service or anything, but I mean, that data seems, uh, like very rich. Um, Right. And I'd also never really thought about, like, I thought maybe it would be interesting. I always think about like advertising, right? Like they really want to advertise to you, but you know, they may make more money if selling it to, like you said, like to health insurers, right? Like what if they said, Hey, we can give you like the blood pressure of everybody that has a Samsung phone. And you just sort of like decide if you want to uh, keep, uh, keep them on your out. insurance. Yeah. 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 And that I do not like. <laughs> it's and, and and I think that that's what they're counting on is us being uh, not diligent in our process, right? So mm -hmm. the terms of service that are at the bottom of every, almost, I would say 90% of us click through it and accept it mm -hmm. without actually reading it. And they make it difficult, right? It's dense. It's so many, I mean, like it's pages and pages of stuff. Like, what is this I'm going to read? This, this, I don't even read a book that's that long that has all this jargon in it. So oh, yeah. I, but we scroll down to the bottom of it and we accept it. That's a vulnerability that I would think all of us should really think about when we accept anything, because you don't even know what you're, you're agreeing to. You're agreeing to something, agreeing to do something or to have something done without knowing that. So in your line of work, how do you protect against that? You know, how do you protect people and, and, and your school and your work against those people who sign those terms of services without actually knowing what it means? Oh. I have zero solutions for that. <laughs> that is, it's a hard thing. One thing that I have not used this in a while, but there is a browser extension that will give you the, uh, like the too long didn't read version of yeah. uh, terms yeah. of service. And yeah. I think that is very useful because even if you are diligent and want to read the terms of service, like, I mean, it's sort of lawyer speak, right? Like you're right. not actually going to be able to tell what they're what really saying. Yeah. 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 Plus, so, plus about a double talk, right? So sentence, mm -hmm. sentence A says that we're going to do this, sentence B says we're going to do this, but sentence C says, but we may not do this because certain tips, right? So all yeah. of that double talk. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's really confusing. Like I was reading the terms of service for a movie website just the other day. Uh, I was trying to, like, I wanted to just like scrape the website for some stuff. And I was like, let me be a good citizen and make sure like scraping isn't against their terms of service. And then like when I was reading it, I mean, like they never specifically mentioned it, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know, like some of this stuff is so vague that 
you know, it probably could be considered a, a you know, violation of their terms of service, but it's, you know, unless you're a lawyer, it's really hard to read those. And probably a lot of times, even if you are a lawyer, it's hard to read them. And like you said, the double speak, like it can be taken either way, like who has more money to defend their position. And it's right. probably the people writing the terms of service. Right. And, and the other thing about terms of service, specifically, I'm, I'll, I'll pick on, you know, Microsoft or someone mm-hmm. like that. Like, even if you violate those terms of services, it only is going to be litigated when it becomes against them. So let's mm-hmm. just say you scrape the site. You're just doing that. You don't have any bad intentions. You're, but let's just say you scrape it and you post out on some social media or someplace Microsoft is just absolutely the worst in doing X. Yeah. That's when those terms of services come back to bite you. Yeah. So all of you social media uh, gurus and, 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 and people who love that kind of thing, you need to be careful when you're talking bad about a company. Because if you signed, agreed, accepted something they said, uh, you might find yourself in some legal hot water. And mm-hmm. And that's why it's important that you read these things. And, and we're specifically talking about wearable technology. And I think in those cases, it's way more important than what we have done in the past to pay attention to what those terms of services are. Because somewhere in that fine print, they've told you what you can and cannot do and what they will and will not do. Somewhere in there, it says that, yeah. right? So if you put on a sleep apnea thing, you know, they don't guarantee you won't die from that thing that you've got inside. So you need to read that. and. And I'll flip this to the other way. If you listen at the commercials for medicine, mm-hmm. you know, in, anybody in their right mind would listen to any of these medicines, you know, so uh, I can't think of a good one right now. But when they say there's a chance you could die from taking this medicine, so I'm trying to fix something and I could die from, you know, you yeah. need to read those terms of service really clear because if you die, your family can't sue them because they told you you were going to, it's a chance yeah. you could die. So you need to listen to all of these things that people say. I mean, like, I if I find it fascinating that medicine gets on television and says all the terrible things are going to happen to you. And then there are people who say, well, let me go get this medicine. I'm going to go tell my doctor why. You yeah. know, is what's bad worse than dying or worse than some other? <laughs> I'm just bothering yeah. people. No, the, like those medical commercials are very, like, scary. Like, uh we are, we stream everything here. So we don't see like a ton of broadcast TV, but we're, whenever we're like at someone else's house and they're watching normal TV and like outcome these like medication commercials and every single one, like, first off, whenever they say something, I'm like, I don't know. I sort of feel like that. Do I need this mess? Like, you know, you just have like all these things and it's like, I've never heard of that disease, but you know, I might have it. I've, you know, they're advertising it to me. Do I need to ask my doctor and then have to be like, true? No, no, it's not exactly. like chill out, <laughs> chill out. That's exactly what they're hoping for. You go straight to your doctor. Like, why would your doctor tell you if you needed the medication? Okay, we need to get yeah. back on topic. Wearable technology. <laughs> we need to, you know, we can't get down this rabbit hole. Yes. Lord have mercy. So the other side of wearable technology I like, besides the health stuff, is the, I'll call it like the fun stuff, right? Like that Google Glass. And for folks that don't know, like it was a, it's like a set of eyeglasses with a projector on one of the lenses that beams a screen onto your eyeball (laughs) with additional information. And it's all like, thinking back, they, maybe they're a little clunky now, but they weren't super clunky at the time. Like they were not much bigger than normal glasses. They were very... Like you could tell that they weren't normal glasses, but like they were not that much. 
They were yeah. fashionable. They look good. Yeah. I mean, this little square piece of glass right there, you know, didn't go across both eyes. I mean, you know, the, the, the projector thing. But I mean, it was yeah. fashionable. It was, you know, you know, very, very attractive to have one, you know, to walk around in public with this thing on. Yeah. But 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 what about Oculus? You know, so mm-hmm. when Oculus came out, they were so pricey, you know, they weren't owned by Facebook at the time, they were owned by themselves. But when mm-hmm. they came out, that was another really exciting piece of wearable technology, you know, right? Yeah. So you could now pretend you're in Rome or go to, uh, you know, uh, someplace in Russia or wherever yeah. with these, uh, these, these, uh, um, these projective eyeglasses, yeah. I guess. Yeah. They, they look like big scuba, scuba goggles almost right. with, uh, right. with screens on them. Yeah. Right. And, and so, you know, all of that was right there. But again, I go back to the thing I said before, when it's free, what does it cost you? So mm-hmm. now Oculus was not free. It was very, very expensive. Mm-hmm. But what did you trade off for those glasses? You know, so if you think about this and, and Google, please forgive me. Anytime there's a marketplace that Google gets in, there's a reason why they go to that marketplace. Mm-hmm. You know, like there are tons of marketplaces out there. You don't see Google making computers, right? They don't yeah. make computers. Uh, I heard there's a Chromebook. Maybe they make the Chromebook. Or oh, something. yeah. But yeah. for the most part, Google Google doesn't go to all the technology markets. But when Google enters, enters a market, somebody needs to be scratching their head and asking why. And it's Google is simply about data collection. Everything about that organization is about data collection. So why? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So now you create these uh, competition. So Facebook now is in the data collection and they have a whole platform to collect data, right? Mm-hmm. So Google has to figure out how they can collect the same amount of data to be a force in the marketplace. So these wearable technologies will become, I don't want to say fodder, but Google may get in that business. Facebook may get in that or metaverse or whatever the hell they're called these days, but they may <laughs> get into that business. And, and you think about this, why? You should always ask the question, why? Did a company come to this? So Google now makes a cell phone. Wonder why? Oh yeah, yeah, and that's that's a good point to remember too. Is like because one thing with the Google cell phones is that like they're pretty inexpensive, and the reason is is like they're not trying to get their money back for selling you like a piece of hardware that like is commodity, right? Like anybody can sell you that piece of hardware now. What they do want to do is make ad money off of what you're looking at on there. And so like, yeah, and this is, I think the same thing with Google Glass and all those other wearables, like you, you're probably buying those for pretty close to what it costs Google to make. Oh, they want to make it, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, they want to get it to you like cheap so that you will use it a bunch so that then they can get the real money of advertising things to you. And that, I mean, that could almost be a nightmare talking about the glasses. Like if, <laughs> if Google is like advertising directly to your eyeball, like that's something... It feels like it's out of science fiction, but it's also like, I mean, we were we were very close to that a few years ago. It seems like it may be stalled out a little bit now, but I mean, it's it's only a matter matter of time till those ads are popping up, and that's, I mean, it's literally like from science fiction. What was the Minority Report where like every yeah. <laughs> every ad is customized to the person that's walking right by, and it just looks like a dystopian like hellscape. Exactly, and <laughs> and, and and I think that in a lot of ways we aren't really careful about what we what our decisions are you know of course we all can't be technologists and have the fear of everything that we as technologists have but but in reality there's a a logic to having a fear of everything you know like 
you know, to be extremely cautious about everything that you do with your digital life. So, you know, what we were talking about these things, datafication is always around. There is no way away for, to get away from it. You know, so we have created data analysts, chief data uh, officer, all of these people, because data has become such an important part of our lives. And so in businesses, they collect data and they do what they do. But you as an individual, the only person who's looking after you is you. And if you aren't looking after you, only God knows what could happen to you. So there's this site called I've Been Pawned. Mm-hmm. Every month, so I'll get an email from them that says I've been pawned. I don't even go look at it to see where I've been pawned. I'm like, okay, thank you for telling me, but okay, thank you. But yeah. like, you are susceptible to your actions. So the other side that has consequences for every action. I wouldn't say consequences, but to know that every time you step online, you're leaving a, a bit of mm-hmm. a breadcrumbs behind. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody, I mean, I would, I think it's a safe wager to say like everybody that is listening to this, almost pretty much everybody that has an internet account uh, has been like hacked at some point, like your password has been stolen. uh, Your credit card has been stolen. Like, I I don't think there's anybody I know that has not had either a stolen password or a stolen credit card at this point. It's, it's inevitable, unfortunately. But, but I, I think one of the important parts of that though, is what can you do? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I refer back to you, but what can you do to be safe online? We've told you so many times things that you can do, yeah. but we're talking specifically about these wearable things. Remember, and, and, and I know you're probably tired of hearing me say this, but why do people want your data? They don't want it for your benefit unless they're, they're packaging it like Google does is to sell you something, but it's yeah. not to your benefit. They're not thinking about you or how they can advance your life, but how they can make money from yep. you. And so now that we have become more, you know, business-like or entrepreneurial in our actions, so like we decide what we do, where we go, you know, going on vacation and all that stuff, companies have to work really hard to sell us something. It's not the mm-hmm. same anymore. You know, what you just said, you stream all the time. So companies have got to use that streaming data to sell you something because they don't have any way to sell it to you in the traditional medium. So All of these things that we're doing in the world, Drew, what's the one piece of advice that you give us to stay safe when we're thinking about buying or or acquiring wearable technology? Yeah. So, and this is probably, this may be more generic than just wearable technologies, but not reusing passwords, I think is a huge thing, right? So if you're using, like for the most part, Apple and Google, they probably are, well, at least Google is probably selling your data but they're probably going to be keeping it safe or they're going to be keeping it within the Google walls unless they want, unless they're trying to sell it. Uh, But the problem a lot of times comes into, okay, if my Google password is the same password as some random site that some like, uh, I don't know, uh, a site that sells like squirrel baskets right like i got a squirrel basket off of some weird site the i don't even know what a squirrel basket is i'm trying to think of other things <laughs> but say i say i use an awful password at the squirrel basket site and then also use that password for google well google is hopefully not going to get hacked however squirrelbasketsites.com quite possibly will get hacked and that's how a lot of these security things happen right like there was recently a github uh vulnerable it wasn't a github vulnerability but uh, two cu- big customers of GitHub, uh, Salesforce 
and uh, maybe Travis CI, they had credentials that authenticated to GitHub, which then they used to authenticate their users. And their credentials got leaked, not from GitHub, but someone else stole those. Yeah. And then they were able, the people who stole those master, or those big, I shouldn't say master, those uh, you know original credentials could then uh, use them and steal everyone else's data. And it's yeah. like, ah, like it's, it's rough because it, then it looks like GitHub is losing their stuff, but it's actually these customers of GitHub who lost it. And it's like, it all sucks. So not reusing passwords, I think, is number one. And having a password manager like 1Password or LastPass uh, really helps with that. Uh, but it's hard. Um, another thing is just being aware, right? Like if, you're, like if you keep all of your health data on your phone, and you realize, oh, I upgraded phones and all that health data and magically moved to my new phone. Well, that means that you're not in charge of that data, <laughs> right? That means Apple or Android or Samsung did that on your behalf. And they were able to do that on your behalf because they have all of that data. And that's what made it so easy. And, you know, that may be good for some people. Maybe they don't want to have to like back everything up to an SD card and move it all over because that's a pain. But just know that if you don't want to do that because it's painful, you're making a trade-off so that your data is not as private. You're absolutely sacrificing. And, 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 and more importantly, you know, the fact that if you back up your phone, so I back up my iPhone. I love my iPhone, Drew, in case you didn't. I love my <laughs> iPhone. It's simple to use. Mm -hmm. um, I back up my iPhone every other day. Um, yeah. I don't do much on my iPhone. You know, I, I you know. I'll, I'll respond to an email or maybe look at a text message that came, but I don't do much on my iPhone. It's not, not very exciting. The screen is too small. I can't see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say, you know, like understanding your passwords. So, you know, we went through passwords again. I think we'll revisit passwords again in the future, but one, no dictionary words, no mm -hmm. word, no person's name, no word that can be Googled. So in other words, if you Google Juice it, that can be your password. If you can find credentials on Juice, if you can find information about Juice, that should not be your password. Your password should be something that cannot be guessed and is complicated. You know, so it can't be you know like your mother's birthday or your son's birthday or mm -hmm. you know your anniversary. No, yeah, no dates, you know? no dates at all. <laughs> and so, if you think about this in this grand scheme of things, scheme scheme of things, what Drew said. You know, if you, it depends on how much pain you want. If you want pain on the other side, then, you know, make password January 1st, 1999 or something like that. That's pain. You're going to get pain from that immediately. If you go the other way and, and say, okay, well, I'm going to set a, a hard password, then the pain is lesser on the other end because somebody's got to work really hard to do this. But I will say there are people out there on the internet cracking passwords left and right. Because if you remember war games, like I talk about this all the time, how it got the codes to launch what it thought was nuclear warfare was by constantly checking, right? So how many times you have to go through the alphabet and the number of numbers in the universe? So from alphabets, you only got 26, then you get the Greek alphabet and whoever else, so you got all of those, but eventually it will crack it. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is what you said earlier. There's no, none of us hadn't, spent, hadn't felt the pain of being violated somewhere with technology. The problem is how much pain do you want to pay on the end, right? So mm -hmm. creating those, you know, my Google password is only for my Google things. I don't use it for anything else. 
And uh, I don't even remember what it is. So I got to go look for it every single time to find out what it is. Because for some reason, LastPass does not pick it up all the time. So I'm like, okay, I'm not arguing with you either. But keeping things to the point where you can, no, no passwords for all things. So Facebook, Google, you know, uh, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, all of those should have separate passwords, should be. So wherever you concise your password, you're subjecting your data to someone else having it, accessing it or something else. So those wearable devices. So if you just want to say, well, hell, my password for Google is it. This is a Google thing. It'll keep up with it. That's a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I think about when we're talking about, especially like cracking passwords, is that if you have enough time and or money, like every password can be cracked. Like, you know, no matter how good it is, it can be cracked if someone has enough time and money to do it. And you really just want to be like, you want to make sure your passwords aren't those that are easier to do. Right. So if someone's going out, they have a hundred accounts, they want to crack the passwords for all of them. You want your password to be the one that's going to take them 10 years and $30 million, not the one that's, that they're going to be able to do on their laptop for, you know, 25 cents. Right. Exactly. <laughs> So do you suggest we all buy into wearable technologies? Do you think that that's the way to go to, with these new things or is it inevitable and we're not gonna have very much choice in it? You know, for me personally, I think that the trade-off is worth it for uh, wearable technologies, especially when it comes to like health type stuff. Like I do think there should probably be more like I would probably have to be like a government regulation or something, but some sort of regulation to prevent companies from using your data for ill will. Uh, but even without that, I find that having, being able to keep track of your health uh, in a greater detail probably outweighs the privacy concerns right now, at least for me. Uh, but I think it's a decision that like everybody will have to make sort of on their own, right? Like if you're in perfect health, if you work out all the time, you only eat carrots for lunch every day. Like well, we talk about Andy. He's <laughs> That's right. Andy's perfect specimen of health, right? Like yes. maybe he doesn't need, maybe like health tracking isn't as important for him uh, versus the rest of us who, you know, uh, what did I eat for lunch? Well, I, I had a decent lunch today. I had uh, chicken noodle soup. So that's not too bad, right? That's not too bad. You did have some carbohydrates, <laughs> but that's not too bad. Right, but, right. But you, you remember... Um, it's been a good minute now. Some man was wearing an Apple watch and he died. He had a heart attack. And they can mm -hmm. go look at his watch to see the exact time he had the heart attack. Mm -hmm. That's the good of tech of wearable technologies. That's a good part of it. Yep. The other side, though, is equally as bad as it is good. And I think that we might be at a place where these things are coming online and we just, you know, are bombarded by it. And so we all rush to our doctors and say, we need to have this implanted in us or we need to have this or whatever it is. Yep. I think that some point we have to allow doctors and healthcare people to be healthcare people and to tell us what's right now they are not mm -hmm. perfect you know i find most of them are very good guessers you know when something's wrong with me they just guess what it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah it sense to me they don't go through a whole list of things and medical is not there so it must be this i'm like okay i appreciate that yeah. but in in reality if these things are coming we still have to have some confidence in our doctors and in our healthcare facilities to be the caregivers of us and not to be completely reliable mm -hmm. reliant on wearable technologies because these things can go awry too. And I think you and I were talking about this earlier. So 
every so often in a month or so, you get a bug fix from your vendor or whatever it is, whether mm-hmm. it's your phone or application, whatever it is, it's a bug fix, right? Because they found some vulnerability or something wrong with it. If you're completely reliant on wearable health technology or any wearable technology for that matter to be the uh, uh, the God say of everything, to be the, the, the highest, you may be making a mistake because I mm-hmm. think that if you if your wearable technology says that you were having a heart attack, you need to call 911 or call your doctor or call somebody as opposed to acting on that, you know, taking a nitroglycerin or taking a bunch of baby aspirins or whatever it is. Go to your healthcare provider and say, hey, this is what I felt. This my my thing said I had a heart attack. And they can tell you if you had a heart attack or not, mm-hmm. as opposed to being just reliant upon uh, the information you get from wearables. Yeah. Yeah. And that sort of reminds me of uh, like my car has one of those, it's like a front facing camera that's supposed to warn you if you're about to like run into somebody. And like every now it does this more than uh, when I'm, well, I don't know that I've ever almost run it, knock on wood, ever almost run into somebody, but every now and then I'll be driving down the highway and that thing will start flashing red saying like, you know, you're about to run into something. And like, I don't want it to hit the brakes because most of the time that is not true. It was just a, a, sen- a sensor malfunction, you know, a right. leaf flew by or something, but right. it's like, you got to be careful because if I were to slam on my brakes, when that pops up, that could cause the accident. Right. Right. Yeah. And all of these things are like that. They're all, there's nothing human has cre- created that is foolproof. There is nothing because we can't think of all the pieces and parts. And maybe that's why we need robots, but we can't consider every single factor in the spectrum of the universe when we're creating these things. So the people who manufactured their cars, so my, my car has the uh, thing on the side. So if you get too close to me, I get too close to you, start beeping. And mm-hmm. I'm looking, there's no one over there. There's nothing <laughs> over there. What are you beeping about? Yeah. But I'm assuming it's picking up the sensor on the road or something, you know, maybe I've run over the sensor or something. But there's no car over there. So why are you saying something is too close to me? And I'm looking and that's distracting me from driving straight ahead. Because I'm trying to see who I'm going to hit. Yeah. And, you know, we're like a year or two away from it. Like, instead of just beeping, the car actually like swerving on its own. Right. Or go wherever it thinks it should go. And, And so I think our advice to you is, you know, embrace new technologies that comes online. All of it. Embrace it. But don't rely on it. You know, sit reasonable passwords know where your data is going so if so for example if you get one of these um things that says you have a heart attack and it's made by meta guess what they are (laughs) going to collect your data that you are heart risk a heart attack risk and Mm -hmm. send that to healthcare providers with your name your address maybe your social security number and all Mm -hmm. that now your data is out there with meta and whomever they're selling your data to this particular moment so i would say in this this spectrum we're in we're in the politics right now so you can imagine the amount of people who are online talking about who they're going to vote for which mm-hmm. is insane to me why you would share this data because somebody's collecting it and sending it to somebody that's how we got the previous um accident that was uh number 45 that's the yes. only way i can see it because it doesn't make sense to me in one way that could be uh, a legitimate uh election unless people just really collected data and facebook got in some yeah. trouble about that didn't they for yeah. collections? yeah they were uh they were uh they were selling i can't remember the exact details but they had a, a partner quote unquote uh who they were going to give the partner like some like minimal information and then they either accidentally or just unintentionally gave them like 
way more data than like they were supposed to have, like, you know, pretty much the keys to the kingdom and said, you know, Hey, here's all the Facebook user data. Uh, give us a couple bucks and uh, do with it what you will. Like, absolutely. <laughs> and, and then we got a new president. And then we got a new president. So in, in just a little side on that. So in the space that we are in the world, so like after that election, everybody was talking about the elections are safe. You know, they can't be rigged that you can't, but what technology is preventing them from rigging it? I mean, the technology that are in voting machines. So it takes in your machine, your, your vote, reads it, you know, mm-hmm. puts it somewhere and discards the paper that you, that you use. But, but what protects you in the, in the voting space now? You know, where are we in that space? Because we have no control over that process. So, so what protects uh, voters? I don't think there's anything really. I mean, we have the, uh, we assume that those machines are, behaving the way that they're supposed to but i don't know that there are like third-party audits of these machines versus you know this was the lowest vendor vendor for the voting machines in this area um i've heard i can't remember where i heard this but one person was describing it as because there's no like centralized voting system a lot of times that makes it harder for like bad people to get in because like if you crack one voting system maybe that's just going to be you know one county that's not going to have their votes counted accurately which is by no means good but it's better than you know every voting center in the nation getting messed up so i think and that ties back to diversity diversity of voting systems right like we maybe we don't want one single thing out at every single spot but it's tough. We could probably do a whole episode on those voting machines because that's another interesting. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Eminent Teachnology. If you like the show, please review, subscribe, and recommend us to your friends and family. We'd love to hear feedback from you as well. You can email us at eminentteachnology at gmail.com. See y'all soon.